it's the next level. I've been here before. You've been... been here before? I grew up here, on the island. And there was this thing, this Dharma initiative. And then I moved away with my mum. Just my mum, and I never saw my dad again. And then when I got back to England, I would ask my mum, about this place, yeah? But she would say that it wasn't real and that I'd made it up. <laughs> That's why I became an anthropologist. To find this island again. That's what I've been searching for my whole life. Charlotte. <coughs> why are you telling me this? I remember something now. When I was little, living here, there was this man, this crazy man, and he really scared me. And he told me that I had to leave the island and never ever come back. He told me that if I came back, I would die. Charlotte. I don't understand. Daniel, I think that man was you. Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, as we continue on with our coverage of the fifth season. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week, we move forward with our discussion of season five, episode five, This Place is Death. We're in Johnny Five Alive. What? Oh, Johnny Five Alive. I, I know you're circuit. old enough to remember that it's short circuit. I know <laughs> yeah. what it's from. I love. I was just where did you circuit. get it from? And then it was like five and five. So I every time I see five and five, I always think I'm Johnny Five and I am alive. I I loved those movies. That no, see, those are the '80s movies I can get on board with. Especially the second one. The second one was so good. Yeah, Los Lobos kick your ass. All right, I wow. love. We're, we're already off. <laughs> I think that's a record. I think like not. No, even... no, no, no. We've done it before. We even said hello before. I think. I think you might be right. I know I'm right. They they don't even hear our voices, and we're already like. Rrr, 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 rrr. So. Well, last episode we came in already laughing. Well, that sounds right. Yeah, because <laughs> it never fails to anybody who listens. Like it never fails. Kristen and I hop on, and. It's it's like, oh, I can only record for an hour or whatever. And then an hour later, we start recording. No, yeah. My whole day is ruined because of this. It's always <laughs> worth it. But like my whole day is ruined. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It never fails. There's always minimum 45 minutes of banter. 
before we even and you'd think that would put a tone down or lessen the amount of times we go off trail or off the topic on this podcast nope no not at all listen i i'm not professional (laughs) (laughs) i i mean we yeah i took i took podcasting very seriously when i did game of thrones and you know where that ended me that ended me pissed off at the end because of that damn show so you know what i'm gonna have fun with this (laughs) man i put I, a lot of work into that podcast and and you know what you know what dan and dave gave me a crap load of crap so <laughs> i'm fine with not taking it as seriously and just having a good time with my good buddy ben yeah i mean and that's good the buddy way ben we, that's the way we take it every week and like i've had a number of listeners like reach out to me. like i've said before on this show on i this think you podcast, say it every week that like, I hope people don't mind our banter and how we go off track. And I've had a number of listeners reach out and say like, no, like we love that. Like, cause it makes it seem more real. It's not as like formatted and podcast, like professional, which I'm totally fine with. No, you know what? We have an agenda and it's like, you know, two lines for each of us. And then after that, I don't know why we open it. I. <laughs> what we do every time we open it yeah the only i think the only reason i ever open the agenda is basically just to remember our social media at the end of the podcast Mm -hmm. that's pretty much the only reason Well, and i I need to know the episode number oh that too yeah i'm real bad at that yeah our agenda basically just says it has the episode number of the podcast (laughs) the episode that we're talking about the title of the episode uh, the fact that it's a spoiler-free, ep- spoiler-full episode, which we'll just mention right now. Perfect, perfect. Check that um, off the check that check, off the agenda. check it off the list. Um, and then it just says Ben and Kristen talk about the episode. Yeah, and that's it. And, and it other just, various topics. And then it just says if you want to contact us, here's how you can do it. Yada yada yada. Which we'll get to that at the end of the episode, and that's about it. So, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna stop saying that. Because nobody wants to contact us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I, you know what? In all fairness, I actually do think, and I do think we can probably stop mentioning the Twitter and the Instagram. Well, we're never on it. We're never on it. And nobody ever really contacts us on it anyway. <laughs> um, we don't really post on it. So, yeah, we can probably eliminate the, uh, the do people do use the Facebook though. So we'll continue to mention the Facebook and the email. The Facebook. Uh, the facebook i'm on the facebook (laughs) i'm a boomer and i'm on the facebook do you smoke the pot the pot (laughs) i drink the alcohol so yeah so i probably i think we can probably eliminate the instagram and the twitter going forward okay you heard it here folks episode (laughs) 79 as it says on my agenda (laughs) we're in the middle of a production meeting before we even get to loss like this is uh, okay. let's get to this, lost. Oh, this place is death. Yeah. Like how you like how I did that? Um, so we're into an episode where there was actually a number of things I had compl- like I know we've mentioned before how we're at a point where there's things we don't remember yeah. about the episode. There were one or two things in this episode I had completely forgotten about. Um, starting like what starting with Rousseau and Robert and that group and hearing the radio transmission broadcasting the numbers. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember that at all. 
And I don't think there's any meaning to it. Do you know I, whose voice that is? No. It's Jorge Garcia. It's it's, it's not. Yeah, but it's not supposed. It's not like like canon or something. It's just like an Easter egg. Is it? So is it? Is it meant to be? So is it Jorge Garcia doing that in a different voice, or is it meant to be Hurley? I don't know, but I know that it's Jorge Garcia's voice because it didn't sound recognizable to me. Well, so the first time I watched it, I just watched it. And then I was looking through some of the trivia and it said that it was, um, oh, the episode before. That's what it was. The episode before in the trivia, because that's the first time that you saw Rousseau. Mm -hmm. They said that it was Jorge Garcia's voice. So I listened for it and I was like, I'll be damned. That's Jorge Garcia's voice. I'm going to have to. But you have to listen listen to to it. Yeah, you have to listen to it knowing that that's what you're hearing. Otherwise, it's just background noise. Yeah, I mean, there's I've I remember a number of things like there's a number of things out there that are like that. Um, Not just in Lost, but like I love little tidbits like that, where like Mm -hmm. you hear a voiceover coming from somewhere and then you find out who it was. And when you go back and listen to it, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll be damned. That's who that was. I love Easter eggs just in general. I do, too. I uh, here we go. Already off topic. Um, I recently rewatched one of my all time favorite movies. I rewatched Back to the Future three. Um, I knew you were going to say Back to the Future like I knew it. And I like I for some reason I was like, yeah, like I want to rewatch like the third one for some reason. So I because uh, it's the best one. I love the third one. It's so good. Um, and I as much as I love those movies and adore those movies and know so much useless knowledge about those movies, I recently discovered a new Easter egg and it made me smile so big when I realized it. And I'm like, I just learned something new about these movies. I thought I knew almost everything about. And just for the listeners out there, I'll tell you um, in the scene where Marty and doc are hijacking the train and they're dressed as the bandits and they have the handkerchiefs over their faces. The handkerchief handkerchief over Doc's face. Is it a handkerchief? It's the shirt he was wearing in Back to the Future 2 that had trains and cowboys on it. It's just really, really faded. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so cool. I When I noticed that, I was like, holy shit. I, how did I never notice that before? And like, that's I, very cool. It made me smile. So I'm going to have to go back now and and listen to that to see if it's Jorge Garcia. Well, not to see if it is, but just to see if I can hear it. <laughs> I was going to say, well, it is. We, we know that it is. <laughs> but I, I want to be able to hear it. Yeah, myself. you will. You will. Good. I'm Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and check that out. But that was, yeah, that was one of those things that I, I didn't, I completely forgot about was that radio broadcast and hearing the numbers off of it. Yeah, because um, Danielle is the one that jams the frequency. Yes. Mm -hmm. And records her own broadcast afterwards. Her Francais. Well, so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say staying with that, that thread. um, I noticed so I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Um, Jin being with Rousseau um, and Jin 
knowing where the radio tower was, saving Danielle Rousseau's life when everybody else was being pulled in by the smoke monster, Jin knowing what the smoke monster was and calling it the smoke monster before this group knew what it was, all of this, could this be applied to the same thought process as Locke made his own destiny? Like, because everything that was supposed to happen happens before time skips. Because as Daniel said, you can't alter the timeline. So Jin was there because he was supposed to be there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm of the same. Are you same, following me? I am. I'm kind of of the same thought process of this was something that was already supposed to have happened. Like it's right. kind of like a fixed point in time. Like, but it's they, fun because Jin doesn't know that. Like people are just doing what they're doing. Well, Jin doesn't know that, but it also is very interesting as well that you know, you're, you're right. Like Jin prevents Danielle from going down into the temple, which we're seeing the temple for the first time mm -hmm. in this episode. Mm -hmm. um, Jin prevents her from going down to the temple, chasing after Robert and everybody else because of he's she's got the baby. So Jin kind of has that inkling like, no, no, you're not supposed to go down there. Um, but at the same time, why wouldn't Rousseau have recognized Jin in the present day, if she had already run into him in the past. You know what so, I mean? So, okay. I don't know the answer to this question because I'm just now thinking of it. How much time did Jin have with Rousseau face to face? Probably Any? wasn't a lot. Oh, in, Maybe. The, in the present day. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That's a good question. Because it's possible. And now I could be totally wrong. I don't know. But I wonder if it's possible that he only knows of Rousseau, the French woman. That's a good point. Because, I, yeah, I like, again, I had that thought of, like, why didn't Danielle recognize Jin? But you're right. It, there might be a good. They might not have ever seen each other face to face before. And that would be I, yeah. the reason why Danielle never recognized him. Mm -hmm. See, now I want to go back and see, but I don't know because that's going to take a lot of time and effort. And I want to do that. Yeah. If anybody knows that question, thanks for telling us. Because I would like you to tell us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know whether, you know, via Facebook or email, not Twitter and Instagram. Um, <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> whether or not Jin and and, uh, and Rousseau ever had any FaceTime together. Well, not yeah. only that, but I mean, even if they did, it was about, what, 15, 16 years before. Um, they didn't spend much time together in the past. Well, they probably spent more time than we, than we know because they did rescue him in the water. They spent however much time in the water together and then getting chased by years. the monster. 16 years isolated by yourself and they all knew that she had was a little batty anyways she could have convinced herself that gin was an illusion especially maybe a part of her own sickness especially considering the fact that he disappeared right in front of her twice twice yeah so you're right no no, no she not could have twice just, just once just once because he ran into the woods as as she was shouting okay so one time right in front of her 
right and then the other time when he when she was chasing him so that second time could have just been written off that he got away yeah okay um yeah i I mean and again like we got we got the smoke monster for the first time in a while i think we've seen the smoke monster Mm -hmm. because i don't remember the last time we saw it uh i think when alex died Oh, that's right. When Ben unleashes it onto, Kimi. onto the onto the onto Kimi and his men, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that was the last time. But also the tie into that too is remember in that scene, Ben is the one that sends Danielle and Alex to the temple. That we he just mentions he sends them to the temple because that's, that's right. where they'd be safe. Oh, that's and now nice we're catch. actually, and now we're actually seeing the temple with Russo, and technically and Alex. Alex. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's a very interesting point. Um, yeah. So there's, I, I think that there's a lot of like little breadcrumbs that are being left out as usual, right? But, um, you know, we're episode five into this season, and I feel like we're still gearing up. Well, I. One thing I've been making mention of the last couple episodes we did, and I have to correct myself, is I had said that like this story really starts to amp up and get to one of my favorite points uh, in two episodes when we or three episodes when we get to episode. Uh, I think it's episode Lafleur. Lafleur, episode eight. I think um, I'm wrong. It happens next episode. Next episode is when they return to the island. It's three sixteen. Oh, they get back to the uh, the Oceanic six or five, rather, um, return to the island next episode. Excellent. So next episode is when we start getting to the point that I love. Perfect. The floor and Jin and Julia and that gang. Yeah, because now they have to jump forward three years as well. Well. Who has to jump forward three years? Well, we need three years to go by, is what I'm saying, because three years went by where the Oceanic Six was on the mainland. And they don't come back for three years. They don't come back from three years, but don't forget, while the rest of the group, once Locke does fixes the the wheel, which we'll get to in, in a couple right. in a little bit, and that stops the island from jumping, they're in what the sixties or the seventies. You know, I understand that, but I need, I need my brain to know that Sawyer and Juliet got three years together. Oh yeah. They get it. Yeah. I, we, they get a number of years together. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Like I need, I need to know that in my head because that makes their story better. Because don't forget <laughs> too the first next, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about next week's episode, uh, the next episode, but the next episode, the next time we see Jin. After this episode, he's fluent. English. I know. It's greatly fluent English. I can't wait. This episode this week was this episode we're talking about this week is the last time Jin speaks broken English, which is perfect because his only translator dies in this episode. That's very very (laughs) true. I'm so glad I could make you laugh with that dark piece of plot. Well, we're already. As far as I'm concerned, we're already like two episodes past Charlotte's time because we said she was supposed to buy it like an episode or two ago. Buy it. I know you like that term. I love it. it again. Well, before we before we move on from this point, though. OK. Um, so 
it's it's just interesting to me now that we're on our second character that and and I feel like this is a recurring theme through this entire uh, season is that we're on the second character of the plane crash victims that um, that is directly related to the past of this island. So you have Locke, who these people have been waiting for, but only because Locke told them to wait for him because Locke was island skipping. And Richard was like, he's a magic man. Um, and then you have Jin, who is now directly related to Alex being born and yeah. Rousseau um, staying alive and finding the radio tower and knowing about the snow smoke monster. Like he was weirdly Rousseau's introduction to the Island, which later she introduces the rest of the losties to the Island. Well, yeah, it's, it's a weird kind of connection because you're right. Like we, we found out in Rousseau's backstory earlier on that everybody else who she was with got sick except for her. And now we know the reason why is because of Jin. Jin is the reason why Rousseau was the only one who didn't get sick because he stopped her from going down into that pit. It was interesting that Robert, Robert, <laughs> American, um, that he tried to kill her. I, I, that's what I forgot about was that he tried to kill her. Um, but, you know, the gun jams and then she kills him. And it seems to me that she's the one she's the reason why everybody died on that island. There are two dead bodies next to her or around the corner from where she was standing. Oh, yeah, I guess it is implied that she's the one that killed the other two as well. So maybe she's the one that got sick. That's an interesting point. I didn't think of that. That she was the one that was sick and not them. And maybe they were trying to unsicken her because the temple is not an evil place. You just kind of like shook my mind a little bit. I seriously never considered the fact that Rousseau was the one that was sick and they were the ones that were healthy. I didn't either until right now. Which kinds of which kind of turns Rousseau into a much darker character. <laughs> like a much, much darker character. Yeah. But again, it's left up to interpretation because I think yeah. this is the last time we ever see Rousseau. I don't think we ever see her again. No, no. Yeah. Now, now Rousseau is Claire. Yes. Yeah. Claire. <laughs> oh, that even builds into even more that Rousseau was the one that was sick and not. Oh, Claire. because Claire I mean, goes a little nutty. Because Claire's the one that's going nutty now. Yeah. And because she followed Christian into the woods. Yeah. So maybe you're absolutely right. I I think you're onto something with that. I think there is a good chance that Rousseau was the one that was sick and not them. Interesting. Because it would be a lot easier for one person to get sick than everybody but her. Yeah. To be sick. Yeah. So maybe in that case, if, if that's the case, then Jin is kind of to blame for her going crazy. Oh, and not look what her. you just did. <laughs> Oh, poor Jin. <laughs> so Jin's actually the reason Rousseau went crazy and became a murderer because he didn't allow her to go into the temple. But if the temple's not a bad place, why did the smoke monster try and... Because you said that there's two smoke monsters. Oh, that's right. I did say that. So let's run with your theory. 
if there's two smoke monsters and one of them is trying to save this new group of people and tries to take them to the temple, but only some of them get there. Are we look? Are we like digging way too? I think deep we're into no. This? I think we're going way too deep. Like we've gone uh, off the reservation, but I don't yeah. care. I, I. Well, that's one of the reasons why I just I still love this show. I feel like we need to like be surrounded in a cloud of smoke with like a six foot bong next to us, like <laughs> with how deep and weird we're going right now. And it needs well, to be in neon lights with like indie glow posters, like a on black the wall. light, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. lava lamps and black lights. Yeah, 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 yeah. I honestly think there are probably people listening to this podcast that think we're already in scenarios like that. That's okay. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah, I think we might be going a little too deep on this one. But it's fun to talk about. Starting to make my brain hurt. Well, it is fun to talk about, though. It's fun. It's fun to. It's fun to theorize. Have a thought experiment. Because there are so many things about the series that are left open to interpretation. Like there's this. a lot that's left open to interpretation. And there's nothing that says that what we're saying is wrong. I mean, I'm sure Des is screaming in his car as he listens to this. <laughs> and he's going to leave us a very detailed voicemail or email about how we are wrong. But I think we're on to something here. Well, I mean, see, and this is the other reason. And I'll say this, too, for anybody who was like skeptical or like, I, like, I have to assume if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you love the show like we did um, and still love the show like we did. But there's so many people out there who constantly complain like, oh, there's so many unanswered questions. I don't really think there are. I think it's more we're not answering this question because we're leaving it open to interpretation. Like we want you to decide what. And some people would say that's lazy. But I don't think so. Like, you know I what's lazy is rushing a storyline and making it directly uh, opposite of <sighs> character arcs for seven go. seasons. Here we go. Hey, Game that's lazy. Game of Thrones. That's lazy. No, but I like the idea of some of this stuff is unexplained because it leaves it open to interpretation. Like Especially we're doing. if we get to do this kind of stuff with it. Like, yeah. So forget all those people out there that say like there's so many unanswered questions. Oh yeah, I already Shut have. Up. It just means you're it just means that you're not intelligent enough to theorize what's happening. And we are cloud of smoke or not. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> um What do you have? So, I want to start uh, well not start we're, we're already well into it. Um I want to jump back a little bit even before all of this with Danielle and everything in that we get our first, we talked about this last episode of how Ben is able to manipulate Sun. And we get that in the very beginning of this episode. We talked about like how if you have just that slightest glimmer of hope, mm-hmm. it's enough to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And we get that because the beginning of this episode is Ben telling Sun, Jin is still like your husband. I didn't kill your husband. In fact, nobody killed your husband. Your husband is still alive. Um, That's enough to get me to lower my gun and follow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, especially when he tells her, like, just give me 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and then you not, can kill me. And then you can kill me. Like, if you if I don't have you convinced, you can kill me. Like, I would absolutely give anybody 30 minutes to try and prove to me that it's I mean, and not only that, but like it's we find out by the end of this episode that he's not lying. Like he's got the proof he needs to to convince son that Jin is still alive. 
I mean, and he does it. It's a ring. I, and it could be any ring. I, I get well, that. No, I would know my husband's wedding ring. I would. But that doesn't mean that somebody didn't take it off of his dead body. Well, because, I mean, even look at like the whole scene with Locke and Jin, where Jin wants Locke to tell son he died. Mm-hmm. Like, say I washed up on shore and you buried me. Here's my ring. And that is probably part of the reason why Locke was killed. Well, because Ben knows he needs everybody. And if son Cause I forget, cause I forget how I forget the circumstances around Locke's death. I, yeah, I, I really remember. Well, I know we're kind of getting a little ahead cause that's not for another two well, episodes. Then let's let, yeah. Let's skip it. Let's just um, stick to this episode. I do remember it's weird because the uh, what I do remember is that Locke is actually about to commit suicide mm-hmm. because he feels that's the sacrifice. And in the end, Ben convinces him not to commit suicide only right. so that he can kill him. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense to me, but maybe it will when we revisit that episode. Maybe. So, um, yeah, but like I like seeing Ben give because I mean, it goes even further into it that like Ben gives son that glimmer of hope that Jin is still alive. Right. And like, I'm even more convinced in this episode that Ben, while again, is nefarious in the way he does things. Mm -hmm. I do think he has good intentions. Like, I I, obviously I think like when it comes to the, the people he's trying to help himself, he's always at the top of his own list because he's selfish like that. Right. But I do honestly. But if he can take other people with him. Yeah. Then he's fine with that. Like, I do honestly believe he does want to help these people. Well, no man is an island. But a bump. God, like he does intend to help these people. He just intends to help each himself more. You know? Yeah, no, he's not going to stick his neck out for somebody if it, if there's nothing in it for him. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and we do see along the way, like, like, I mean, I know we're, we're kind of sticking to this whole Ben and son and Jack. Like we see, you know, son, take the phone call, talk to her daughter, say, I miss you. Come back home, which is really heartbreaking because we know it never happens when you think about it. Mm-hmm. That's the last time she ever talks to her daughter. No, Gion is now an orphan. Yeah. Like that phone call is you don't know it at the time, but that is the last time she ever speaks to her daughter. And it's really sad. sad. It's really sad. Um, Again, spoilers. Um, Um, You know, but, you know, Kate finding out that Aaron's in the car, going out and getting Aaron, and then she drives off. Saeed is now like, I like things are going to end bad for more for all of us. And he walks off. So you had five of the Oceanic Six at one point together with the minus Hurley. Mm -hmm. And now you're down to two. Well, you know Hurley's coming. Yes. We know they're all mm-hmm. coming back together next episode. Well, but you know Hurley's coming because the lawyer is going to bring him. Yes. Um, and then Desmond is there. <laughs> I 
Desmond who shows up at the at the lamppost. Yeah, I love seeing I love seeing Desmond like he's like, what are you guys doing here? I was like, oh, yeah, yay, Desmond is here. <laughs> but I like like I liked the scene with with Jack, Son and Ben in the van when they're driving to to see Eloise Hawking. Mm -hmm. um, first off, I like that, like, son, like you told me, like, this would be 30 minutes. He's like, well, I didn't incorporate traffic. Well, Ben, you're like, in Los Angeles. Like the snarky, the snarkiness of Ben just cracks me up. I love it. But, you know, with Ben telling with Jack telling son, like if he doesn't deliver, I'll kill him myself because you you won't have to because I'll kill him myself. The frustration in Ben at that point when he turns around, when he pulls over and he turns around, and he's like, look, you have no idea what <laughs> I went through and I had to do to make this happen. And like not everything he did was good. Like he, he manipulated Saeed into working for him and killing people, but he's still absolutely right. He put a lot of work into this plan to bring everybody back together to get back to the Island. And now it's falling apart. I would be frustrated too. Well, he's fixing a mistake that he made. He and wasn't supposed to move the Island. Locke was. Yes. He, he's fixing a mistake and and his plan is not coming together. Like Saeed walked off. Kate and Aaron are gone now. Well, like because every, every everything he, he does is wrong. Every time he feels like he's bringing a piece into the puzzle, another piece falls off the table. Yeah, it's like herding cats. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Because <laughs> you and I both know how that's impossible. It's impossible. Um, yeah, so I like I totally get the frustration coming from Ben in this episode. Like he's got to put this plan together and it's not working. Which I understand, but I also understand that he is the one that made this mess. True. So, yeah, he's got to clean up his own mess. I mean, he's cleaning up his own mess. Right. So I'm That's sorry you're frustrated, right. buddy, but you did something that you weren't supposed to do. Because you wanted to play hero when you weren't supposed to. Yeah. So we'll save the, the very end of the episode until the very end of the conversation. Um, but where do you want to go from here? What else you got on your, your side? So. Because um, there is still quite a bit to talk about. Yeah. So one of the things that I do want to talk about, I want to go back to the island for a second and. Locke seems to be also trying to fix his mistake. They're both trying to fix their mistake. Locke was supposed to move the island. He let Ben do it. Now they're skipping. Ben was supposed to Ben was supposed to let Locke move the island. Now there's a problem. Ben needs to get back to the island. So now he's trying to fix. So both of them are trying to fix their own mistakes right now. And Locke is having just as hard of a time convincing people to go to the orchid as well. And the problem is, is that because he's having a difficult time with it, everybody's dying. Everybody's getting bloody noses on the island. And Locke is like, I really think I can fix this, guys, if we just all go to the orchid. And they're yeah. like, fuck you. You haven't fixed anything because you never fix anything. And Sawyer's being mean and Daniel's being obstinate and... Charlotte's even being a little like iffy on it. Everybody's just kind of like beaten up on lock, beaten up on lock. 
and they finally get to the orchid, which is great. Thank you, Sawyer, for finally giving into it. But they're still like bullying him and giving him orders and, you know, about the well and how to get down it and, you know, all this other stuff. And all of a sudden out of, you know, this extreme kindness and generosity and wonderfulness of Juliet, she goes, hey, Locke, if this actually does work, if you're actually doing this, thank you. Like nobody ever thought to just say, hey, if this actually works, man, thanks. You know what, though? Out of everybody to do that, it totally makes sense that it's Juliet. Of course. It absolutely makes sense that it's Juliet. Like if you if you told me before that scene happened, one of these people is going to thank John for everything that he's doing. Who do you think it would be? Juliet would be the first person that popped into my head. Sawyer would be last. It would shock the shit out of me if it was Sawyer, which maybe yeah. it was the reason why it should have. It could have been. It should have been Sawyer. But that's no, because, out of character of Sawyer. Yeah, that softness to Juliet is what makes her her. You know, yes. So that just that soft thank you, you know, that that can bolster anybody's mood that can give anybody that last little jolt of like, I'll I'll be honest with you. Like, there's so much to what you're saying right now, because I can tell you, like, even in everyday life for normal people, not Mm -hmm. people trapped on an island, like when you're working for an employer and you're you're working your ass off for an employer and mm-hmm. you feel under you feel underappreciated or whatever it's amazing how much a thank you from a supervisor how far that goes yeah just to feel appreciated especially after knowing well no he doesn't know this yet but you know especially with very soon he's going to find out he's going to have to make the ultimate sacrifice to save all these people. Well, I mean, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because there is, I do feel like there's a lot of this with Locke that has a much deeper meaning because Locke was already told by Richard, you're going to have to die um, in order for all this to happen. And I don't really think that really sank in with John Mm-hmm. until this episode when he hears it from Christian. Well, because he he's still riding on the fact that he's the leader of the people and he's, you know, the chosen one. Well, I also don't think, too, one of the other things that I don't think sinks in with John until this episode is the fact that everything that's happening with the island and the island jumping through time and everybody being in going through pain and the nosebleeds and everything... Um, I really don't think that that sinks in with John until this episode, that that was his mistake and not Ben's. Mm-hmm. I think he was trying to be the, up until this point, he was trying to be the hero to go fix bet what Ben couldn't do. But it was really him. Yeah. But it was really his mistake mm-hmm. because Christian tells him that like, mm-hmm. I told you, you needed to move the Island, not Ben. So that's when John really realizes like, okay, all of this shit that's happening right now. And I apologize. I'm using, I'm cursing quite a bit more than usual. This episode. I said Um, the F word earlier. It's fine. Um, We're marked as explicit. We're fine. Um, I don't think it really sinks in with John this episode that like, yeah, like, okay, this isn't Ben's fault. It's mine. Yeah. And you know what? 
just just to stay with John as well, because in that scene, he also proves that he still hasn't learned anything and he's still pretty mentally weak because he looks at Christian and he goes, can you help me get up? Can you help me walk? Can you help me get to the wheel? Yeah. No, man, you have to do this. Yeah. Like Christian, like, I'm sorry, I can't do that and do it. Like he just, he proves over and over and over again that he is not mentally strong enough for whatever purpose he thinks that he has on this island, which is proof on why he had to move the island so that he could leave the island because he he had no business being there. Yeah. Yeah, But at the same time, he had to make that mistake because skipping through time, he had to complete Richard's story. Yeah. Yeah, he had to make the connection that we got earlier with Richard and himself. Yeah. And becoming the leader of the of the people, which in so, essence he really wasn't supposed to be. Right. So that mistake was always going to happen anyways. Which when you think about it, when you put everything together that we just mentioned about how John was the one that made the mistake and not Ben, John's the one that's fixing it, how he's mentally not strong enough to handle this. Mm-hmm. And then add in the fact that John gets off the island when he turns the wheel. Mm-hmm. And he never returns to the island. No, he doesn't. Like that makes John's character an- yet another tragic character in this entire story. Because in the future seasons for the rest of this season and the following in season six, the John Locke that we see is not John Locke. It's just a skin bag. Yeah. It, he's just a vessel at that point. John Locke is dead. Mm hmm. You know, and he never returns. He never gets to go back to the island himself. That in itself is the sacrifice, is that he has to give up returning to the island that he never wanted to leave so that everybody else can get back. So that he could be the villain. Yeah, that is the sacrifice. It's not his life. It's the never returning. It's the never coming back. Or- I mean, it costs him his life in, in, in the end of it. But the but but like yeah, the true sacrifice is that he never comes back to the island, and that's the sacrifice that I think Christian Shepherd is really getting at. You know, that's why like when he tells yeah, but him, Christian like, Christian Shepherd doesn't represent the good of the island. Well, see, here's my here's my thing about Christian. While we're on this, okay, good because I, my question is, why is he still there? <laughs> well, so. We have mentioned in the past that Christian Shepherd is nothing but the embodiment of the smoke monster or one of the smoke monsters. He's mm-hmm. the man in black taking the form of Christian Shepherd. But there's kind of a little wrench wrench thrown in in that in that theory this episode. No, there isn't. You don't think so? No, because Christian tells John, say hello to my son. Like, why would he mention Christian that? Shepherd is the skin bag? Because his body was on the plane. Okay, but why would he still say, say hello to my son? Unless he's telling him that to make the connection to Jack. Maybe, because because Christian Shepherd's body was on the plane. And then they bring Locke's body yeah. back to the island. Well, that was, well, that was always one of the reasons why I, I theorized that the black smoke was that Christian Shepherd was the man in black. Right. So he got so he got the new form. He just jumped from one form to the other. He jumps from Christian to Locke. Yes. Right. 
but but the wrench in that theory was why he was why did he say say hello to my son that was the only that was the thing that came out of this episode that i was like well maybe i'm wrong no no maybe that was i don't know maybe that was this the the man in black doing something cuz he knows everything so maybe he was trying to manipulate a situation somehow well again like it could just be there, there has to be some kind of connection to bring people back. Mm-hmm. Claire was Kate's connection because Kate mm-hmm. wanted to come back to rescue Claire for Aaron. Mm-hmm. Jin was very obviously son's connection. Christian Shepard could have been Jack's connection. Like that was the connection to get Jack to come back to the island. No, I think Jack just wanted to go back because he was like, it was a mistake. Well, because I do think when we see in, in the life and death of Jeremy Bentham, I do think I remember John telling jack about his father okay so i think that might be the seed that causes jack to finally start unraveling and feeling like he needs to go back yeah i guess we'll see because his father has always been like unfinished business for jack yeah but then that leaves like okay then what's the connection for hurley and saeed what's their connection to get back to the island i don't know off the top of my head Maybe it'll be revealed as we as we progress forward. So maybe that's just it. My theory still stands that Jack, that Christian Shepard is the I like the, the term skin bag. Yeah. Well, I I oh, what is it? What was that show? Rima covered it on Strange Indeed. Altered Carbon. Oh, I never saw it. I think that they used the term skins. Okay. But I think it's like the same thing. But skin bag, yeah. Well, it's a skin bag. But yeah, but an that Edgar means, suit, an Edgar suit, an Edgar suit. I like that. Yeah, it's a Christian suit. Um, yeah, I mean that's always been my theory that Christian is the man in black, and then it makes more sense, like you said, that he just swaps. Skin yeah, suits. but I guess I always thought because I couldn't understand why he was manifesting to John as Christian. I understood why he was manifesting as Christian to jack and declare but it was to john that always hung me up until just a few minutes ago when i realized he was the body on the yeah. plane so it made sense okay all right fair enough. i'm a little slow no that's it's a perfectly good realization to come to because the look on your face was priceless shut up i know listeners obviously didn't get to see it but the look on your face was priceless when you realized that john was the skin suit <laughs> no, I great. knew that John was the skin suit. It was Christian that I always thought he was like a hologram or something. Oh, you thought he was literally like the smoke taking form of, of Christian. Yeah, because of Anthony Cooper, like Anthony Cooper's body never made it to the island. Yeah, Anthony Cooper just showed up. Right. Is, yeah. So. You know, it stands to reason that he that Christian Shepard would also be a hologram yeah no that's i mean that's another thing in common between flight 815 and flight 316 is that there's a body on board yeah first time it was christian the second time in 316 it's john yeah so yeah the man in black has a vessel like i said i'm slow (laughs) um oh man i still have a bunch of notes that aren't even crossed off yet um i want to so let's get to Juliet and Sawyer and Daniel and Charlotte, because there's there's a bunch of stuff to talk about there that we could probably move through pretty quickly. Um, 
but the jumping is obviously becoming much more frequent, mm-hmm. much more painful. There was there was a back to back one. Well, I, this is also the first step. This is actually the one episode where we get the most. Like, I think there yeah, are eight like jumps or something. One. No, there's like eight. Is there? Yeah, there's like well, eight jumps in there, this episode. Or do we just see Jin jumping in like a meanwhile type of way? No, I think every time we see Jin jumping, we're just meant to we're meant that it's everybody else jumping with him because that jump after Danielle is when they're all reunited, which was such a great moment. I loved that moment with like the look on Sawyer's face when he realizes that it's Jin is so priceless. Well, he didn't have anybody with him. He was the only plane survivor that was there. Yeah, because everybody else was either the science team or Juliet. I mean, that would be like seeing my my home. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, oh, yay. It's my brother. <laughs> well, not only that, but like you're like you you were meant to like Sawyer also thought that Jin was dead. Yes. You know, so not only are you seeing a familiar face, it's a familiar face you never thought you'd see again. Right. You know, yeah. so so realizing that. You know, Jin is still alive. Like the look of happiness on both Jin and Sawyer's face. Yeah. Is I love that moment so much. Well, those two have really been through a lot too. Yeah. You know, oh, they're yeah. part From of the team raft, raft to yeah. Yeah. But yeah, team raft. I like that. Um, and I love, I mean, obviously we're like I said, we're seeing the jumps becoming more painful. Juliet, we know, had a nosebleed, I think, last episode. Now Sawyer has a nosebleed. Now Sawyer has one. Um, and I love too that when you know John is like really in, encouraging them to get to you know to get to the the orchid, and they get there and Ju- and Juliet is like you know what are the odds we're in a time where this actually exists, and then they flash again and the orchid disappears. I'm like you know Sawyer has something to say about this, and he does. He immediately turns around. He's like you just had to say something. You just had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, <laughs> like when he's pulling on the rope, and Miles is like, "I think you can stop doing uh, that now." I think you can let go now. Yeah. Which goes again to our point, which we talked about last episode of how the canoe went with. If them. you're holding it, if you're it touching stays. it, if you're touching it, it jumps with you, and that's what so, happens with the rope. But he was leaning against the well. The well should have been stayed. But I think the well was a structure in the ground. Okay. So the rope was kind of free. It wasn't. That's fair. You know, connected to the ground. It was it was a loose item. So loose items can travel with you, but structures will not. Um, that was a bad fall for Locke. Yeah, it was because we see Ooh. that bone. Yeah, his I leg. saw it. I saw it. That's you so know, cringeworthy. I've been watching a lot of Band of Brothers lately. And even with watching all the, the violence in Band of Brothers, that lock bone break is still gruesome. Anytime you see anything like that, it's cringeworthy. Yeah, because because they're your bones, man. And your bones are supposed to stay inside your body, behind your skin, behind your muscles. Like yeah. your bones are not, you're not supposed yeah. to see them. They're not supposed to do that. Yeah. I just want to know that my bones are there. I don't need to see them to believe them. <laughs> I do like though, um, they they throw a real quick exposition into this scene with the reunion between Jin and Sawyer. Oh yeah, um, yeah. 
you know, where it kind of cuts to Daniel and and um Miles, where like you know, Daniel's like, Well, he must have been jumping through time with with the rest of us. Yeah. And it's kind of like, all right, there's a quick explanation as to how Jin is the is there and he survived. He was jumping just like everybody else. Yeah, but he was just unconscious. Yeah. Because he, he didn't. That's how he didn't realize everything that was going on. But he still has dried blood on his nose. Jin does. Yeah. Uh, could that be more chalked up though to the running through the woods, uh, escaping the the black smoke monster? I, I don't know. He's. I, I didn't really pick up on the fact that he had that. I'm gonna have to look now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did. I'll take your word sure for he it. Did. I'll take your word for it. All right. Um, I mentioned Jin's lie to Locke to Sun. Or Jin's explanation to Locke on how to lie yeah. to Sun. Uh what else do you have on your end before I can I continue on? Um, I did have something, and then we talked about Jin's nose for a bit so it, and it left my brain but it had to do with <laughs> it had to do with all of them which is kind of oh thank you see I just had to talk it out a little bit there you go um we we learn again that not everybody knows that Charlotte speaks Korean yeah that kind of comes out of nowhere well because like Jin knows it. So Jin goes up to Charlotte and is like, translate. And Sawyer assumes that he's saying translate to, to Miles. Miles. And Miles yeah. like, I'm from I, Encino. I'm in from Encino. <laughs> which always makes me think of also Tom Haverford going, I'm from South Carolina. Yeah. I've never been to India. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, or, you know, C- Christina Yang in, in New Jersey or in um, Grey's Anatomy when they're like, you know, you speak Chinese. And she's like, I'm from Los Angeles. Like, you know, people just make these wild assumptions. Anyways, I'm going off track again, but, um, but Charlotte always seems like hesitant, like just speak Korean, man. Who yeah, cares? Why would you hide? Why that? are you hiding this? Well, have we heard her speak Korean before? Yes. When she oh. was with Jin and son. Cause son. That's knew. right. That's right. Son knew that Charlotte understood her. Right. She could tell that Charlotte understood her. Right. right. Yeah, because it is interesting in that scene, too, to see that Jin is making eye contact with Charlotte. Yeah. He's not looking at Miles. He's not looking at Daniel. He's looking at Charlotte. And he's just like, I'm not talking to him. I'm not talking to Encino man. I'm, t- I'm talking. Encino man. I'm talking to Charlotte. I'm talking to Red over here. And then she, you know, she's like, da, 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 da. And, uh, and both Daniel and Miles are surprised. Yeah. Now, this is her team and they don't know. Well, as we find out a little bit later on, there's quite a bit about Charlotte that people didn't know, including Daniel. Yeah, she gives she gives a history, history of Charlotte. Can I tell you, even though I knew that already, when she reveals to Daniel that she remembers that a man came up to her when she was little and told her not to come to these that not to come back to the island because she's going to die. And she reveals to Daniel, I think that man was you. Even though I remembered that, 
that still gave me chills. It's her last line that haunts me that I've always remembered that I've always remembered. Even mother says I'm not supposed to have chocolate chocolate before dinner chocolate because before she dinner. says it. It, it's just this like very childlike voice and she's obviously not where she is. And then she dies and stuff like that just haunts me. It's like um, for anybody who has seen Saving Private Ryan, there is there's a death scene in it where uh, one of one of the characters that you, you know, come to know and love is dying and he's just saying over and over again, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. I, I want to go home. And um, those lines, those, those human moments in, in any television show, they just stick with me, man. Well, that's kind of similar to one of the reasons why people got so heartbroken over uh, Peter Parker in infinity war. Oh, when- when everybody yes. was turning to dust and he's literally gripping on to Tony and he's like, I, I don't want to go. Like, I, oh, I don't want to go. 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 That's yeah. That's still really hard. That's still really hard. Yeah. It's still, I, it still amazes me too, that he improved that. He I, improvised that line. Yeah, I know. That and they kept moment. it in. Yep. Well, cause it's, I mean, that's the moment that everybody remembers. Yep. You know, I mean, it's, like the moment in Saving Private Ryan. It's like the moment in this episode. I mean, you know, when when you have a very real moment like that, that's that sticks with you, then of course you keep that. You're right. Cause like even in to anybody listening who's ever watched Doctor Who, um, which I don't think you ever got no, into it. Not one episode. Um, there's David Tennant is one of the guys that was the doctor for a little while. And he's a fan favorite for a lot of people. Yeah. His very last line. The last line he ever utters in his run as Doctor Who, when he's getting ready to change into the actor that's going to play the next Doctor Who, his very last line is, I don't want to go. And it's one of the most quotable lines that people quote of his character because it's it's memorable for that reason. Yeah, because it's human. Yeah. And we and no matter who you are, no matter how cold or dark or unfeeling you think you are, we're all feeling people. We all feel things. I mean, maybe not sociopaths. <laughs> well, but they're sociopaths. I laugh, but that's truth. The, yeah, yeah, that's. But they're sociopaths. So yeah. if if you're not a sociopath, you feel things, and if you are a sociopath, you know, just stay out of my way. But yeah, I mean, like, and I'm glad we're talking about Charlotte now because this is the last time we're. Well, it's not last time. It's not the last time we're going to see the character of Charlotte, right? Um, it is the fa- the last time we're going to see Rebecca Mater as Charlotte. Um, but you're right. Those last words carry with you. Um, but this really is the truest sense and kind of for Charlotte of her life flashing before her eyes. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Because she's reliving all these moments of her life from, you know, mother says I'm not supposed to have chocolate before dinner, which are her last words. At mm-hmm. one point she says, Oh, turn this up. I love Geronimo Jackson. I love that part. You know? So the producers throwing that Geronimo Jackson back yeah. into there, um, you know, talking about like how I, I forget exactly what the line is, but I know more about this than even such and such. Uh, Hannibal. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know, Carthage. she's kind of, 
she's she's kind of flashing back to her studies. Yeah. Um, she really is her life really is flashing before her eyes. It's just unfortunately out of order. Well, and it's probably like Desmond was doing where Desmond was going in and out of those times, yeah. you know, because we ex- we know what they're going through with the bloody noses and with the flashing in and out because we saw it happen to Desmond and we saw what it was doing to his brain and what it was doing to his life. And he was dying until he was able to find that constant. Um, you know, so, so I love it that this episode, that this death has already been set up for us because we knew that it ended in death because of, um, the short circuit actor, (laughs) the The doctor short circuit actor, (laughs) because he was going, he was, he was saying his name is Fisher Stevens. Okay. Cause, (laughs) cause Fisher Stevens eventually dies right and desmond is like well i don't want that to happen to me so i have to find this constant so now we're watching it happen to all of these guys with the time that's skipping the way that it was happening before except it was happening for everybody so it's like we've been breadcrumbed into this we know what the end result is going to be we're daniel right because daniel knows how this is going to end and all daniel wants is to end this and so he's that's why he got desmond he's like go to oxford find my mom blah 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 yeah well i mean and correct me if i'm wrong because i don't remember i did only i did only watch the episode twice um (laughs) only twice is this the episode i i forget because i might have glanced away from the screen as as i was watching is this the episode where charlotte disappears in front of daniel Mm mm-mm so that must be next week then mm-hmm. because there is an episode where I think it is next week. I think we get to see one more time jump mm-hmm. because the time jumps one more time after Locke fixes. And because she's dead and because she's dead, she doesn't jump with him. So she literally disappears from in front of Daniel. Like with, with Danielle. Yeah. Daniel and Danielle. Which is heartbreaking for Daniel's character. Mm-hmm. Because not only does like not only did he just have to witness her die, n- now she's like she's gone. physically gone. Like there's like she's completely gone. Like he can't even bury her. Yeah. Like it, it, he had no choice but to leave her behind because that's what time did. It's weird for him to say to little Charlotte, "Don't come to this island because you'll die," because he knows that you can't alter anything. So that must've been like a desperate attempt. Yeah. Or he yeah. did it because he was told that he did it. Well, but not only that, but like, here's the weird thing about that too, is like Daniel is the one person who said to like Desmond, like you can't change things. Like this is stuff that's already meant to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're right for Daniel to have told Charlotte, do not come back to this Island even though he probably knows in the back of his head, like, I can't change this. Like, this is destined to happen. Right. That you're right. That shows his desperation. Mm-hmm. Like, he's willing to say, like, I have to try. Yeah. Right. But in a way, in the same instinct, uh, we were talking about Jin and Danielle, about how Jin was the one that either saved her or caused her to go crazy. Mm-hmm. Daniel, in some way, could have also been the one that is the reason why Charlotte came back to the island. 
Right. Because she, because the Island was the reason why she became an anthropologist. Yeah. She had this memory of this person who told her not to come back. Which so this Island her- just creates a whole bunch of doomed people. Pretty much. It's like history repeating itself. It's like this whole life lesson on not learning from history. I mean, Daniel is, I mean, if you think about it, Daniel is the reason why she comes back to the island and dies. Is because he told in Daniel's arms. <laughs> he told her not to come back to the island, which kept her thinking about the island. And which she made said, her Well, I'm to gonna come, come back, back to, the to the island even harder. Yeah. So, I mean, which causes her to all this to happen. Sorry. And I was talking over it. It's fine. Um, to anybody listening, Kristen's phone vibrated. It's fine. Um, but yeah, that causes her to come back to the island to, in essence, die, which Daniel told her not to do. So mm-hmm. Daniel is the reason why she dies, which is heartbreaking for both Charlotte and Daniel. So Jin, Daniel, and Locke are are just basically completing their circle Pretty in much. this episode. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. And Jin is literally completing his circle by giving his ring, which is a circle, to Locke, who gives it to Ben, or it's stolen from Ben, who gives it to Sun. Okay, now, then, you're just be- now you're just being ridiculous. No, I'm not. I know you're not. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you're being ridiculous. <laughs> no, you're <I'm> ridiculous. <laughs> I, I am indignant as a consumer. <laughs> God. Uh, um, I think that I really make just anything a friend's reference. I know, especially after the reunion. Um, I think that really, unless you have anything else, I think that really just leaves the end. Yep, I got nothing else except Eloise Hawking. Eloise Hawking and confirmation. If you didn't already figure it out by now, that Eloise Hawking is Daniel's mother. Is not only a rat. Yeah. Is she is she is Daniel. I mean, you could already kind of put it together at this point, mm-hmm. but it's pretty confirmed when Desmond says, so you guys are here to see Faraday's mother as well. And they walk in and we see Eloise Hawking. Who Ben already knows, but Desmond now realizes this is the woman that sold me my wedding ring. Oh, golly. So Desmond, <laughs> Another ring coming full circle. See? You get so it. Desmond has a connection to Eloise already as well. So, or does Eloise know about Desmond and puts herself into Desmond's path? Probably. That could also be the case. Very, very. That's that's more probable than the other, you know, random connection. So is this? I don't think it is. Is this the first time we're hearing? the name Eloise. Yes. Okay. So this no, is the- no, no, no. It's the first time we're hearing the name Eloise with this particular character, but we've already heard the name Eloise when she was younger. We heard we- Ellie. They call her Ellie in the past, not mm. Eloise. So I'm, that's why I was asking. Are you sure? Yes. That's why I was asking is that, is this, when we can finally put together that Ellie is Eloise. Well, yeah. I mean, the, yes, this is the first time that we learned that she is Eloise Hawking. Yes. Um, because uh, that's also why, that's, known as Ellie. Yeah. That's why I was wondering if this is the first time we're hearing the name Eloise, because if it, 
is, then it's easy to put together that Ellie is Eloise. Mm -hmm. If it's not, then we could have put together, hey, maybe Ellie is this Eloise that we met earlier. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to remember is whether or not we saw, we heard the name Eloise before. I know we've heard the name Hawking before. I think we've heard Eloise before. And the, well, I yeah, it's Daniel, the name I think of Daniel's Daniel, rat. Well, well, not only that, but I think when he said, go Dan to my mother, Eloise Hawking. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we have heard Eloise before. Yeah. Okay. So in the wiki, her profession is jewelry store cashier, leader, comma, the others, general manager, comma, the lamppost. The lamppost. <laughs> Which did you notice that there is a lamppost outside of the church? And they get they they zoom in on it. Yep. And my dumb podcast brain was like, it's one if by land, two if by sea. Okay, but the island <laughs> is on a sea. So am I going to see another one? Because there has to be a reference to this, right? Well, one if by land, two if by sea. Why else would they show this lamppost? Because the, the station lamppost, is called Kristen. the lamppost. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen my brain. My brain was smoking, I'm sure. <laughs> um. I think that's, all. I mean, and then, you know, last words of the episode, uh, you know, Eloise saying, I thought I told, saying to Ben, I thought I told you to bring them all back. And Ben, like, this is all I could get. Um, and she's like, well, I guess it'll have to do. Let's, let's get started. Let's get and, started. And boom, lost and we're out. Yep. So, which is going to lead us into the next episode, which is everybody getting back on that plane. And everybody was kung fu fighting. And I think the episode, I know we're getting ahead, but the episode ends with them. Oh no, I think this episode end starts with them waking up on the island and seeing Jin. And then it flashes back to everything leading up to that. I don't think we see LaFleur Le until LaFleur. I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I'm excited to, I'm probably going to end ahead. up watching this as soon as we're done. Oh, the next episode? Yeah. Um, which is... Uh, 316. 316, yep. Yeah. yeah, the flight, which is the flight number to get them back. You've said it like a million times. I know, and I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. The next couple episodes are really good. Yeah, I like this season as a whole. It's very, it's very good. I mean, 316 is a great episode because it gets them back to the island. The life and death of Jeremy Bentham is great for just listen to the title of the episode. The floor is a great episode. Namaste is like oh, the rest of the season is so good. It's very good. It's so right? good. It's so it's such an underrated season. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to to continue to getting into the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, but any other final notes on this episode? No, I'm good. Yeah, me too. Uh, that leads us to feedback in which our, our friend Steve, as always, has left us a great piece of feedback, which we're going to play. Uh, but before we do that, there are a couple ways now. There's one, there's one way. Two. Okay. There's two. Here. Okay, guys, write it down. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you can either go to our Facebook page at facebook.com lost revisited or uh, you can yeah. email us at lost revisited pod at gmail.com and if you want to leave us a message then record yourself and send it to our email address that's there, it there you go 
And I'll just throw in, like I always, like I have been recently, that uh, we we appreciate any reviews that you leave because they help us out. Um, they help the podcast get noticed by more people. So uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on that lets you do so. But don't be mean. I think the time is over for people to be mean. I, you know, if you like it, thank you for the review. If you don't, then go find another podcast. And I'm sorry to see you go. Agreed. I, I'll back you up on that one. I but there's no reason to say anything mean. I mean, if you think we're wrong about something, be respectful about it and tell us. We, we definitely yeah. want to know if you think we're wrong about something, but be respectful. Yeah, but I've seen on reviews and I'm not talking about, you know, I, I don't read reviews anyways for anything that I do because, you know, I can't do that. But I've seen people be mean to like Karen from uh, Walking Dead cast, who is one of the most delightful human beings on the planet Earth. And people make fun of her and they say terrible things about her on the reviews. And it's like, that has nothing to do with the podcast. You're just being a jerk. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I just, we had well, a lot of years of mean the past couple of years. People have been awful. And I think it's time to just stop being awful. I agree. I mean, we had, um, when I was covering the stand with Rima mm -hmm. on Strange Indeed. Yeah. Um, Amber Heard was in the show. And Amber Heard is a very polarizing character because yes. of her relationship with Johnny Depp. Um, well, and Rima and I did our best very successfully to kind of separate Amber Heard, the actress from Nadine, the character that, that must have been difficult too. Um, and it was, it was at times. Um, but there were a couple times where we were getting feedback from people like completely ignoring the character Nadine and saying how much of a deplorable human being Amber Heard yeah. was. And it got to the point where I literally spoke up on the podcast. I was like, please stop. Like we're, yeah. we're not going to play it. We're not going to yeah. play it. We're not going to read it. it. Stop wasting your time. Like yeah. we're separating the character from the actress. We're talking about the show. We're not talking yeah. about Amber Heard. We're talking well, about and people AD. do that. And, and people do that in the reverse as well. Like one of the most, one of the biggest pet peeves I have is that people love Negan now just because they love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And Negan is a terrible human being character who has, who needed to die many seasons ago, but he's a fan favorite because they love the actor. Well, the actor is not the character people. And that bothers me because I can't wait to watch Negan die. I hope that Maggie cuts off his head and feeds it to animals, feeds it to dog. Well, you and I are a little indifferent on this one because but, you and I completely disagree that Negan has gotten a little bit of a redemption. No, no. You he don't think he has Glenn. and I feel like No, he, he killed Glenn. Glenn was a family member. And if, if the person who I hold responsible for my own sister's death were to come up to me and be like, well, I'm a better person now, I'd be like, I don't want you around me. Like I get ever. It. Yeah. You know, again, but, it's just a difference of opinion right. between you. But and then I. there's people also who hated Eugene when he was being annoying on uh, Walking Dead and he was getting hate mail for it because oh, people couldn't separate it. Yeah. Or Josh people, McDermott was getting a lot of like hateful emails right. or Wyatt and, Russell with his portrayal of his character on um, Captain America or, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? So it's like. People in general just 
can't separate anything. They just have to find a way to be mean or be toxic or be negative towards everything. You know, I'm very, very judgmental on anything Game of Thrones. I, I should probably stop hating that. I can't because it's garbage. But, you know, I mean, there there comes a time where we have to stop. Yeah, I mean, and that's like, um, you know, great Game of Game of Thrones is another great example because. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, jo- oh, uh, uh, Jack Joffrey, uh, Jack Leeson. Yeah. Yeah. Joffrey. One of the most deplorable characters like of anything in the history of television, in the history of television. But Jack Gleason is one of the nicest people you would well, same ever with Ramsey. Meet. Well, same with Ramsey Bolton. Yeah. He's such a nice guy. He he and he and um uh, and I can't say his name because it's like Ewan something. And I, I apologize. I would murder his name and it would not be well, but <laughs> him and um, Alfie, Alfie, Alfie Allen, Allen yeah. are like best friends, which yeah. you can't wrap your mind around because they're both incredible actors. They're good at their job. And you have to be able to separate the yeah, two. And, and, if, and, and some people have trouble doing that. But, you know, on the same token, I can't watch anything with Tom Cruise in it. Well, and people can separate that, you, that. I, I, I can't. can. I, I yeah, enjoy right. Tom Cruise, the actor. Right. And I can't separate that. So, you know, I, I'm 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 a complete hypocrite, but <laughs> it is what it is. Well, but you also wouldn't you also wouldn't write Tom Cruise nasty letters either. Yeah. I just uh, or, ignore it. Or threatening tweets. Yeah, exactly. There's plenty to watch that does not include. Tom Cruise. I still think you're missing out on the Mission Impossible movies, but we could talk about that later. Okay. Because those movies are fantastic. Um. Anyways, back to feedback. Yeah. So yeah. So that <laughs> that gets us to um, our feedback from our buddy Steve. Uh, so we will go ahead and we'll play that now. Oh, Ben and Kristen, this is Steve, and this is for This Place Is Death. Actually, there was a submarine. Blonde guy is kind of a dick. How long has it been since we saw the smoke monster? The, when, yeah, when Alex was killed, right? And uh, Ben used it. So I don't remember when that was. Now we know how Rousseau lost the rest of her, her crew. Because there's no way that guy was alive. He would have been down there hemorrhaging from that. The arm was pulled out right of his socket. So it was the thing mimicking him, right? And But now Jim's leaving, so it doesn't matter. Is this our first sighting of the temple? Oh, that's right. She had killed them or something like that. They got sick. I don't remember the story now, but I guess they survived that going into the cave. So Charlotte didn't die last week. She's okay now? Uh, She just said the name of the episode. Mic drop. (laughs) And for the spoke too soon category, Juliet. Chills. I just got chills with that, her telling that whole story. Technically, he does keep his promise because he's not the one that that brings Sun back. Oh, there's the proof that Ben has, right? Oh. <laughs> I just, Miles and I, we just said it together. <laughs> hey, that explains why the catamarans went with them when they traveled, on, when they were on the water. They were touching the catamarans. Sawyer was touching the rope, and that's why the rope traveled with them. Because he says, who's your son? They cut to a scene seeing Jack. What kind of crappy doublespeak is that, Ben? Oh, no, he never came to see me. I went to see him. 
oh, and that was just it. He doesn't say thanks or anything. So uh, thank you, Steve. Yes, <laughs> so thank you, Steve. Um, there is a term now for these kind of feedback, this kind of feedback that Steve leaves. Okay. Uh, because Steve leaves this similar kind of feedback for other podcasts, uh, mm -hmm. good friends of ours too. Um, it's called live steving. <laughs> Who coined that? I don't remember. <laughs> um, I think it was our friend Pake. That oh, I it. love that. If um, he did it, good job, Pake. But there, there is a there is a term now called live steving, and that's what this is when Steve leaves us uh, this kind of feedback. We were always calling it comment, like Steve commentary, but live steving yeah. works better. Live steving is wonderful. I love that. Yeah, but that needs I'm, to that needs its own hashtag. <laughs> hashtag live steving. Um, yeah, a couple good points. You know, he got the, um, you know, this is the first time we're seeing the temple. Uh, I think you were a little confused, Steve, when you said like that guy was hemorrhaging from losing his arm. Maybe he just took the form. That was a different guy that we never see that guy again after he goes down into that cave. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, we never see him come back up. The, um, the guy that we see Rousseau facing is Robert. So, uh, completely different guy. We never see that guy again. Uh, but thank you for the feedback, as always. And we encourage everybody else to to leave us feedback when you have it. That leads us into our recommendations for the week before we get out of here. Uh, what have you got for the listeners this week? I have a bunch, actually. Go for it. Uh, I am listening to um, Barack Obama's book, A Promised Land, right now. I own the I own the physical book. I haven't started it yet, though. The audio book I'm going to recommend because he is the one that narrates it. I and he that. tells that story so well. It's very, very engaging. And you really get a sense of who he is and why he's writing the words that he's writing. And I really think that it's just it's the way to consume that book. Um so for anybody that's interested in that book, the audio book is fantastic. It is 29 hours long. So buckle in. I think um, I have, I'm looking through my books now. I do have it. I have the audio book of that. Okay, turn it good. on. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And you can have it on in the background. And, you know, look, I, I'm a big fan of Obama. I think that that's not a surprise to most people. Um, his voice is very comforting for me. So I turn him on. I turn on the book and I work in my office and it's just, I kind of laugh along with him or I get mad with him or I, you know, can empathize with him and you can hear his struggle. And, um, cause he really struggled with, uh, even running for president. And anyways, I, I recommend it. Anyways, yeah. I have a few, um, another one is if you're in the mood for, um, just a rewatch of something old. My husband and I are uh, rewatching Band of Brothers right now. Uh, recently, we did have uh, the anniversary of D-Day on June 6th. And we, it's just, it, it's, it's a very perfect miniseries. It's perfectly done. If you've never seen it, I just go, go and see it and just watch it this weekend because it's fantastic. If you've, if it's been a while, it's fun to revisit. Um, you'll be surprised how much you don't remember because this is my third time through and there's a lot I still don't remember. Um, last night, my son wanted us to watch Mitchell's versus the machines. 
I and hear, I keep hearing great things about it. Fantastic. It's yeah, I need to watch fan- that one. Fantastic. Um, it's made by the same people that made Into the Spider-Verse. And yeah. you can tell. And you can tell. Um, it's got a lot of similar elements in the animation. It's so good. The story is heartwarming and wonderful. And um, the main character is LBGTQ. And it's not really in your face about it at it's all. Not preachy. It's, it's normalized. Yeah. You know, Um and you only know that because of one passing comment in the entire movie. Um, but it's normalized and it's and it's very well done. It's a great story. I, I highly recommend it, especially if you have kids. My kids loved it and my husband and I enjoyed it. Um, last night, I also went over to a friend's house and I watched In the Heights. And that's fantastic. Um, I was just telling Ben earlier that you know, in my opinion, when you're making something that was on Broadway into a movie, into a feature film, Rent is my favorite Broadway show on this planet in the history of Broadway shows. Rent has a very special place in my heart forever. The movie version of it is garbage. It's garbage. See, I love the movie version. Because you never saw the Broadway show. Right. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, and... I don't think that they did it very well in the Heights was done so well, very like, you know, West side story was done really well. Right. It's, it's on that level to me. It's just, it was done with a lot of thought, a lot of, um, a lot of care. Um, it's perfectly cast. Um, so I, I, I recommend it. Uh, even if you don't know the music, if you don't know the show, it's a fun story. It's, heartwarming it's beautiful it makes you want it as a white girl it makes me wish that i had a culture like this culture i don't think that we as white americans have this deep culture that we adhere to and i think that that's why we have a lot of problems in the way that we do um and i i would be interested to know if anybody has that in the back of their head as they watch this because i really had that in the back of my head that I just wish that we had a rich and deep culture and community like this. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm glad you put it that way because there are times like, and this is just a small example of that, you know, of, of wanting that or not just maybe not wanting that culture, but admiring yes. that culture. Mm-hmm. Like, to anybody who's ever been to Philadelphia, and I like know I know New York is this way, and some other larger cities are like this. To anybody who's ever been to Philadelphia, um, if you've never walked through Chinatown, do it because it's it's not just like a bunch of like like boba tea shops and stuff like that. Like when you walk through Chinatown and you see some of the architecture that's in there, and like the archways that are through the city, and like some of the shops that are there, like I you're right. Like I'm envious sometimes of people who have that kind of culture. I mean, and I'm Italian. So Italians very obviously have that culture, but I'm not from Italy, Italian, right? I'm Italian American. So my culture is Olive Garden and Carabas, like, you know, which sucks. So yeah, I'm that same way too. Like I get a little envious of that culture sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I just, American culture as, as, as general rule, it's capitalism. It's materialism. It's, it's, it's not real. 
in my opinion, you know, and people can say that it's, you know, farmland and it's, um, you know, American made items and it's, you know, 1930s and it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not, we're, it's gone. It's been no. erased. White it's culture, being erased. White culture is very vanilla. It is. And, yeah. and it makes me feel like I've missed out on something big. And I, and I yearn for that community and I yearn for that life. And I feel that in, in this, in this movie, in this show, in this music, in the Heights, I feel it. And it I, makes me wish I was a part of it. I miss the day because even though it's not the same, like it was the closest I ever came to it. Like mm -hmm. I, I honestly miss the day from when I was in high school and I lived in that small town in New Jersey Every, where everybody knew everybody. Yeah. You went to baseball games for the sake of just going to a baseball game because somebody you knew was always playing in that game. Um, you know, the carnivals like two or yeah. three times a year where everybody yeah. was there. Everybody in high school knew each other. Like I, somehow I miss it, that small town feel. And somehow really it got did. lost because I remember that in the 80s. But that's gone now. Yeah. It's gone and and it's sad. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. Last the last thing that I have to recommend, I'm sure Ben also has to recommend. You're and that's stealing Loki. my you're stealing my recommendation. So I'm gonna let all. you go. I'm gonna let you talk about. I have I have another one. But you, I have another one, but you can no go no you go for it. I've been talking too long, but I I agree with Ben's recommendation. <laughs> um yeah, Loki. The first episode of Loki was fantastic two thumbs up it, it was, was amazing so good and i will say to anybody who is a fan of the mcu if you don't realize the first 12 minutes of that episode before the opening title card of loki go back and re-watch that first 12 minutes because if you don't realize it it is literally setting up the next phase of marvel yes the I, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. The explanation of the of why the time like those time cops are there, why the TVA exists mm -hmm. to prevent like branches in the timeline and everything, uh, to prevent the multiverse, is literally setting up everything we are about to get. I'm so excited in the MCU. The mm -hmm. next movie that we're getting is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So not only did that first 12 minutes set up the future of the MCU, pay attention because everything that happens in Loki in these next five episodes are going to have serious impact on the future of the MCU. It's six total, right? It's six total. Yeah. Which sucks. But I'm, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think, was only six as well. So, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and they told an amazing story in six episodes. Yeah. So, but like when we got to that title card after that first 12 minutes, I, like my mind was like, holy shit. Like this just already changed so much. And I'm yeah, like, every I, time I, I think that wait. we don't need another Marvel thing, I, I'm like, you know what? Just give it all to me. All of it. All yeah. of it. Give me all of it. I'll consume it all and I'll love it all. Thank yeah. you. Thank you I, very much. <laughs> I watched it and not like putting that aside. The show was just fun. Like there were moments that made me laugh. Tom Hiddleston is always great as he's great with 
Owen as Wilson. Loki. But Owen Wilson as Mobius, as Agent Mobius, Mobius was he was fantastic. Perfect. He's I kept, great. He he's such a good bureaucrat too. <laughs> I like, kept waiting. I kept waiting, but we didn't get it this episode. They're going to give it to us at some point in the next five. They have to. But I was just waiting for wow. Like at some point we had to get yeah, yeah. the Owen Wilson wow. Oh yeah, we will. Um, I was watching it with my mom too, and my mom was like, "How come he's never fixed his nose?" I'm like, "Cause that makes him him." Cause he's Owen Wilson and he's, he's wonderful and leave doesn't him alone. Need to. <laughs> doesn't need to change his nose. He's fantastic. Jennifer Grey changed her nose and look what happened. It killed her career. <laughs> uh, the other recommendation I have though um, is uh, it's been, I think it's the 35th anniversary of the Indiana Jones movies. Mm. They just re-released them in 4k. Um, if you haven't seen all of the Indiana Jones movies, just go back and rewatch them. They're a lot of fun. Uh, but there is a documentary that I just recently watched from 2015. And it's called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. It's a story about these three back in like 19 early, early 80s, like 82, 83. Um, these three 11 year old kids decided to remake Raiders of the Lost Ark in their Aww. own way with like their own like camcorders and such. And there was one scene they could never do because it was too big. Like it involved um, if you've ever seen Raiders, there's like a 75 foot plane that explodes. Yeah. Um, they could never recreate that for very obvious reasons. Um, so it cuts to about 30 years later when they finally get to do it and finish their movie. Oh, yay! That they started like 30 years ago. It's such a great documentary. It's so heartwarming. And there's a bunch of people like John Reese davies from Raiders of the Lost Ark is in it. Ernest Klein, who wrote, um, you know, Ready Player One. Like, he's in the documentary. Eli Roth. There's so many, like, like there's so many people out there. And then if you can find the film watch the film. It's literally an entire recreated Raiders of the Lost Ark with kids. That's oh, made that is from, so cool. Made from their own, like in their own backyards. And oh God, it's, it's such a great documentary. I loved watching every second of it. Oh, cool. That's a great, that's a great recommendation. So, and I think you can find it on Amazon. Um, I'm not sure where else it might be on. It might be on Netflix. I'd have to check. So, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Any final notes from your end? Nope. I'm good. Cool. Uh, cool. With that being said, next episode, we're talking season five, episode six, three sixteen, which is a Jack episode and really starts to kick season five into gear, which uh, if you, if, if it hasn't already. Yeah. Uh, but until that time, thank you as always for listening, being a part of this, being a part of the audience and uh, the We Have to Go Back family, if you will. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye-bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! <laughs>